Come on, well, good morning, everybody. Um, as you, as Ella has said, my name's Eli. I'm one of the youth pastors here alongside my wife, and we just have such an amazing group of teenagers here. I just thought I would start with just a couple cool things that have happened in the last two weeks at youth. Um, first of all, last week, or this last Friday, we had 57 people in the room, which is incredible. So cool just to see young people that are just hungry to come and have connection, to find community, um, and to know God more. Um, and the last week, we started a series called Set Apart, which is super cool. It's all just about um, holy and how God says to be holy because he is holy. And we had eight young people give their lives to God that night, which was incredible. And we just had so much ministry happening afterwards for those that just said that they needed to have a greater sense of freedom. Um, so it's so cool. Um, and it's a massive honor to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. Um, it's also really cool that Pastor Debbie is getting to preach at Timaru New Life this morning. Um, she's going to absolutely smash it. I just, we're praying for her this morning in um, morning prayer before the service. And we're just believing that that something's going to shift in the atmosphere of that church as she preaches and she releases the word. Um, but I've kind of come to realize that Glenn and Debbie are generally away when I preach on a Sunday morning, and I've kind of boiled it down to like two options. First, they actually just really trust me in my preaching. They're like, yeah, he's going to deliver a good word. Um, or they just really don't like the way I preach. <laughs> Obviously, I know it's the option two. I'm not just kidding. Um, but how great was it to have Daz Cheadle preaching last week? What an incredible, incredible word that he shared, just about how God wants your heart, that he wants you. He doesn't just want results from you, but he wants you. He wants all of you. Um, so this morning, I'm kind of going to be furthering um, kind of a message around the heart. Um, so I'm going to get into the word in the moment. And if you like to keep your eyes open while we pray, you can go to Daniel 1.8. Otherwise, um, if you'd like to close your eyes, find it afterwards. But I'm just going to pray before we open up the word of God this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you are king. We thank you that you are Lord. God, I thank you that your word does not return void. God, I thank you that you only give good things to your children. God, we just pray that you would speak through me this morning um, and that we would all have an amazing day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you were one of the people that like to close your eyes, we're going to Daniel 1 today. Um, otherwise, it's going to be on the screen behind me, so you can read along. Um, we're reading from the New King James Version for now. Um, it's interesting, I don't usually, so if you are, that's cool, but I don't usually. Anyway, so it says, the king appointed for them, we're talking about Daniel and this group of um, people that he's pulled together to serve in his kingdom, a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. We're going to go to verse 8. Not because the other verses um, aren't important. It's just not building the narrative we need this morning. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the men who are your age? Then you will endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had sent over to Daniel, Haniah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are the Hebrew boys. Please um, test your servants for 10 days and give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. 
So he consented with them on this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in dreams and visions. Quite often, we skip straight to Daniel and the lion's den, which we'll get to later, but there's actually some really, really profound things that happen in chapter one as we kind of open up the start of Daniel's story um, before he gets tossed in the den. But we learn firstly that Daniel doesn't compromise on faith. He does not compromise on his faith. He does not compromise on the things that God has asked him to do. See, I think quite often we can get in a room and, and there's good food and, and there's drink. I think that's called the pub. And then we start acting like the crowd that's around us and we do the things that they do. But we learn straight away from the story not to compromise on faith, not to compromise on the things of God. We've learned straight away in this story that it is important to follow what God has told us. See, Daniel has read Leviticus, and he knows that he needs to remain holy. He knows that there are certain things that his God wants him to do to set himself apart from the people around him. There are certain things that his God has asked him to do to be like him, and he isn't compromising on faith. So my point number one this morning is don't leave room for compromise in your life. Point number two is pretty similar to point number one, but it's be faithful to what the Lord has said. It's pretty easy, I find, when you're in a room and you're in a workplace and, and everyone around you is acting the way the world would and, and you get in into a new situation and a new circumstance and you just kind of feel awkward being like, oh, I don't do that because I'm, I'm a Christian. And it just kind of feels awkward, right? I don't know if you do, but sometimes it can feel really kind of like this tension between sharing about what you believe and why I don't do that and what well, I believe in God. And, and he's called me to live a certain way because it's just awkward. It's so much easier to fit into the way of the world. And it's so much easier just to do the things that we're seeing around us so that we can fit in and feel community and not feel like we're ostracized or anything like that. But we learn straight away not to compromise on faith and to be faithful to what the Lord has said. But I have a good news for you this morning. God's way is higher, it is greater, it is proven, it is true, and it will always prevail over the works of the enemy. We learn that straight off the bat in chapter one, where God's way is higher. Living the way that God wants you to live actually does good things for you. It's not because he doesn't want you to have good things. God is a father that only wants to give you good things. And he does these things so that we may be better. We see it right here that they were fitter, that they were fatter in flesh. It's a weird way of saying it. But that they were doing so much better than the people around them that were living the way of the king. His way is proven. It is better. It will always prevail over the works of the enemy. If you're in this place and there's this tension of, I want to live life my way, I want to live life the world's way, but I want to follow God, let me tell you, His way is better, it is higher, it is a greater call for your life, and you will see blessing from it. We see that at the end of Daniel's, of chapter 1, where God gives them gifts for following Him. He, it's not this reward system. It's not like a sticker chart. When you're growing up, it's not do one good thing and you get a sticker. But God, we see time and time again that God wants to give us good gifts when his children follow him, when his children do what he asks them to do. 
You see, there's a faithfulness, a commitment to the words, uh, to the word of the Lord. It's a heart kind of thing. My title today is a purposed heart. See, 1 Samuel 16, 17 says that man looks at the outer things, but God looks at the inner things. You see, there's so much to unpack in this, and I'm just kind of going to scratch the surface this morning. But there is just so much happening in chapter 1 that sets Daniel up for that moment in the lion's den. We see him getting, I, I don't know what, really what it is, but he's pulled out of the situation that he's in. He's placed into a weird situation. He's faced with, am I just going to eat the delicacies? Am I just going to drink the wine? And, and he has to decide, and it's like stake in the ground moment of, no, that's not how I do life. No, that is not how I am called to live. God has called me to be holy. He's called me to be set apart. I've read Leviticus, every amazing, interesting chapter of it, and I know that this is how God wants me to live. Let me encourage you. God gives good gifts to those who follows him. At the end of chapter one, he gives Daniel the ability to interpret visions and dreams. This isn't just something that's good for him in the moment. This is something that sets him up for the future. See, God doesn't want to just give you a gift for right now. He doesn't want to just be like, oh, cool, you followed me. Here's a gift that's going to be great for five minutes. He wants to give you a gift that is going to bless your future. He wants to set you up in a way that can glorify him. See, the gifts that Daniel got is not something he could have gotten out of the king's meat and wine. The gifts that he got was something from a perfect father. It isn't just about the outside things. It's about an inward obedience, an inward following. It is about a purposed heart. See, verse number eight says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart that he would be obedient to the things that God has called us. And I think that so easy it is, like last week where Dad says, you need to remove the things of your heart. It is so easy to remove things out of your heart and say, God, I'm going to lay it all at your feet. But then you leave it empty. And on Wednesday, the enemy's trying to shove lies back in there. And we start grabbing a hold of the wrong things because we're not replacing those lies with the purpose, men of God. We're not replacing the lies and the things that we're putting down with, all right, now I've put that down, I'm now going to pick up God's purpose. I'm now going to live the way God wants me to live. So if you're in this place, and I'm not trying to condemn anyone if that's you, but I think it's so easy as Christians to say, all right, God, I'm all in. And then on Wednesday, we're back the way we were because we're in the same room. We're at the same pub with the guys that are drinking the wine and eating the good food, and we're just fitting back in. See, God wants us to be different. He wants us to follow Him. He wants us to have a purpose, heart for His ways. Don't allow yourself to empty everything out on Sunday. Monday and pick up the same bad things on Monday? Would you purpose in your heart the way of heaven? We're going to move to Daniel 6, 3 to 23. It's a, it's a big chapter, so bear with me. I'm going to take, actually, I'm going to take some water before I go, just because my voice is feeling a little bit something. Um, so you can enjoy this moment. Very tasty. There's no raro in there, I promise. Anyway, um, Daniel so has distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps. I don't know if that's how it says, but that's how I'm saying it this morning. By his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. See, these are the gifts that God gave him, right? 
after setting him up for a future. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds to charge against Daniel and his conduct against government affairs, but they were unable to do so. See, that's a purpose heart. They could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt or negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis to charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king, said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, there's that word again, man, it's a lot in here. Advisors and governors had all agreed that the king should issue and enforce a decree Anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, should be thrown in the lion's den. So King Darius issued a decree, put it in writing that could not be altered in accordance to the law of someone, because I've lost my place. Um, And he's put his seal on it so that it could not be changed. They said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. You see, a purposed heart doesn't just stop when the situation's bad. See, a purposed heart doesn't listen to the things around. It listens to what God wants. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. Because there was fa- Daniel had found favor with him. So the king was determined to rescue Daniel and make every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Remember your majesty, the law which you decreed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So a stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. See, that's an outwards thing. That is an outwards thing. See, God really knows the outcome. See, when we look at a situation with our physical eyes, there can be no way, but God will make a way to those that follow him and trust him and still have a purpose heart. He goes, the king says that he is in distress. He is not, cannot sleep. He doesn't eat. And at the light of dawn, he got up and hurried to the den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his height, nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when he was lifted from the den, no wound was found because he had trusted his God. See, this starts back in chapter 1 from his purposed heart. See, if he had have compromised from way back then, it's so easy to compromise once and compromise again and again and again. It starts with an inward thing. It starts with a purposed heart. See, the story of Daniel is just so full, right? There's just so much to grab a hold of and pull apart and look into. Um, But something I didn't realize until now is that God didn't remove the lions. He didn't just pull Daniel out. He didn't roll the stone away like we see in the New Testament. He kept him in there. He kept him in the darkness. He kept him in the danger. He kept him where he could see the lions. He kept him in the darkness. But he sent an angel 
to protect him and to close the mouths of the lion. I think so often we try to get ourselves out of bad situations. We try to get ourselves out of the uncomfortable, out of the things and just into a safe zone. But God doesn't want to just pull you out. He wants to be there with you. He wants to bring testimony in that darkness. He wants you to know that you are safe. It says in Psalm 23 that he prepares a table in front of your enemies. He doesn't want to just rip you out. He wants to say, I am greater than your greatest fears, than your greatest anxieties. I am greater than any situation that may come your way. Would you just be with me? He doesn't want to pull you out. He wants to walk through it with you. There are circumstances where he will pull you out. I'm not saying he won't, but he wants to be there with you. See, we wouldn't know the story of of God being faithful to Daniel if he had just ripped him out and then the king's like, how did Daniel get out of there? But there's a story that comes of Daniel being in there and having no harm on his body. See, he doesn't want you to fight the lion. He doesn't want you to take it on yourself. He doesn't want you to try to make matches. He wants you just to be with him. He doesn't want you to try to chop the lion's head off and put it in your house because he's already done so and it's in his house. He has already overcome the works of the enemy. You just need to trust that your God will provide, that your God will deliver you. There is a process at hand. He is with you in the valley. Jesus sleeps in the storm. He walks on the rough waters. Jesus is greater than anything that you could ever face. See, I don't know where you're at But would you open the idea in yourself that he wants to be with you in the night? He doesn't want to just bring dawn all of a sudden like that. He wants to be with you in those dark moments, in those anxious moments, in those moments where you feel like life is just tumbling around you. And I'm not saying that is easy. I'm just saying that he wants to be with you. Like like Martha and Mary, right? Mary's in the kitchen, I think it's Mary, is in the kitchen and she's preparing the food and she's doing all this and she's trying to do something that would please the Lord. And he's like, would you just be like Martha? Would you just sit at my feet? You don't need to stress about the situation. You don't need to do anything. Would you just sit at my feet and be with me? So if you're in a situation where life is hard, maybe that is financially, maybe that is um, a mental issue that you're trying to battle through, would you just know that God is with you, that he is with you, he has sent his angels to protect you, and that he is going to pull you out, and there is going to be a story from it, a testimony from it. You see, it says in verse 23 that when Daniel was lifted out, No wounds was found on him because he had trusted in his God. He had purposed in his heart to follow. He had purposed in his heart that even though he was in the lion's den, he would take a seat at the table that was prepared for him. I don't know what it is that you're believing for. I don't know what it is that that you're saying, I need a breakthrough in this moment. Let me tell you, it is coming, but would you find God's presence in the waiting? See, you can't be on a mountain peak without climbing the mountain first. You can't get to the mountain peak in an instant, unless you take the gondola, but you can't get up there without having to follow your guide. You can't get up there without knowing God's goodness. See, I think so often we compromise, we allow things to get in our heart, and then we can put them down, and we don't replace it with God's purpose. See, let me encourage you this morning that As you lay things down before God, would you pick up his word that he is a light to your feet? Would you pick up his word that he is greater, that he has overcome, that he has the keys to life and death, that he is perfect, that he is holy, and that he wants you? It says in the Bible that he loves you with an undeniable love. 
that he loves you so much that he would send his only son to die for you. That is salvation, that we may confess with our lips and believe in our hearts that he is Lord. But it's, you start with your heart. It is a heart thing. This whole faith that we have is a heart thing. It is a purposed heart to follow the ways of heaven. It is a purposed heart. I didn't prepare too much for an ending here or a landing zone because I really believe that the story of Daniel speaks for itself. We don't need a particular landing zone. It doesn't need to be perfect. I don't need to have all the words because it says that fancy words waters down the power of the gospel. That's just my excuse for not preparing properly. No, um, <laughs> I want to encourage you, if you're in this place, and you're in a messy situation. Maybe you have family members you're believing for. Maybe you have darkness around your life. Maybe there's doubt that's sitting in your heart that you need to let go of. Would you replace it with a love that is so great that it would come to earth, that it would die in your place so that you could be free? This week, while we were, I was at staff on Tuesday, I, I had this vision of church and there was just this word freedom over top of the church. And, and we came up the driveway and there was just freedom everywhere. And then we get into the foyer, freedom. And every single seat in this room was freedom. It was just something so great about the freedom of God. Let me tell you, God asked you to follow Him and live like Him, not to, not to trap you, not to, not to make rules around your life of the things you can and can't do, but He wants to bring you freedom from it. He doesn't want you to be stuck in old ways, stuck in the ways of the world. His ways are greater, they are higher, they are proven to be good for you, to bring freedom around your life. If you're in here and you're saying, there are things blocking me from having a purposed heart, there is freedom for you today. Would you, when you put things down at the altar, would you pick up freedom and replace it with truth? God, I thank you for your freedom. God, I thank you that you are greater. God, I thank you that you have overcome the situations that we find ourselves in. God, I thank you that the lion's head is in your house because you've already overcome the enemy. God, I thank you that you shut the lion's mouth. God, I thank you that all you ask us to do is follow you and sit at your feet. God, I thank you that you just say, would you follow me? That you don't have to be perfect because we, in salvation, we are made perfect. God, I thank you that it says that we are yours and that you are ours, God. I thank you for your children this morning. There's a, there's a couple things that I believe that God wants to do this morning. And there's a, there's a couple groups of people in here. First of all, whether you've given your life to God before and you've, you've, you've dropped the old ways off at the cross. And then on Monday, you sling a fishing line down and you drag them back into your heart again. And you're, you're bringing back the baggage that you've left there because God wants you to be free. Would you drop it again this morning and say, God, I give you everything. And when you pick up his hope and replace it in your heart instead. Or I think there are some people in this room that are saying, I am in a dark situation. The night is around me. There are lions everywhere. And you just need to be in his presence. I want to make room for you this morning just to sit in his presence and just trust him this morning. So this morning, if you are in this place and you're saying, 
God, I need to give you the things that my heart's been valuing. God, I need to drop off the old ways and I need to pick up your ways and purpose my heart for you again. I want to create a room, a space for you this morning to just to respond to that and say, God, I'm all in for you. God, I'm purposing myself around you. God, my inward things, may they be your way in me. So this morning with every eye closed, if that's you saying, yeah, that's me. God, I need your way in me. God, I need to purpose myself around you. God, I need to drop off the old ways. I need to lay down myself and pick up you in this moment. If you're saying, I want to deny the world. I want to live a life free. There's freedom available for you. So if that is you in this place and you're saying, God, I want to pick up your ways, would you just raise a hand in this place? Awesome, I see that hand. I see those hands. Whether you're in here and and you've done this a million times before, you've said yes to God and and you've dropped the the lies, you've dropped your way and and you've just find yourself picking up things instead of replacing the things in your heart. Is that you this morning saying, I need to give myself to God again. I need to replace my ways with God's ways. That's awesome. Come on. And this morning, if you're here in a hard place, maybe it's a family thing. I feel like there are people here that have got family members who are sick, family members that aren't following God, and there's just the darkness following them. I believe there are people that need to be in God's presence this morning and just believe for a breakthrough in their lives. Or if you're here and you can hear the lion snarling around you, would you just come to the front and just be in his presence and, and get prayer and st- that your brothers and sisters stand with you in these moments in God's presence? So what we're going to do is I'm going to invite the band up and we're going we're gonna to sing and we're going to worship our God and we're just going to be in his presence this morning. There is something so special that happens when we just immerse ourselves in his presence. So I'm going to pray over you this morning and then we're going to worship. God, I thank you your church. God, I thank you that you are building your church. God, I thank you that there's nothing that we're doing, God, but it's just us following you. God, I thank you that you don't want to just leave us, but you want to build us. You want to edify us, God, that you want us to follow you. And as we follow you, that there is freedom. God, I thank you that you don't want to just take all of the bad, but you actually want to give us new purpose. God, I thank you that you want us to live your way and that you have overcome the enemy. God, I thank you for every person in this room, God. I just pray that they would be encouraged this morning that you are with them in the middle of the night, in the valley, in the darkness, that you are there for them, that you prepare a table in front of their enemies. God, that you aren't scared of the enemy because you've already won. God, I just pray that you would just build faith in this community this morning.